0: I know you're not following the only black person in this store. And she whipped around and looked at me, shocked.
1: People of color are not the default. Whiteness is the the default.
2: You're reducing the cause by trying to take emphasis off of this specific cause and trying to say that everyone struggles and so we shouldn't care about your struggle itself.
3: On today's episode, we're going to be focusing on amplifying Black voices and understanding racism from their point of view. As allies, we need to understand all of the discrimination against the Black community that we've never had to face. I've never been randomly targeted at a store, and I'm just realizing how much privilege I have for never getting racially profiled. Aviva Helena Neff is a Columbus, Ohio-based theater maker and educator, on Instagram, at Avivian Gillian. She teaches in the Ohio State Department of Theater and is completing a PhD in mixed race and performance studies.
0: I'll, I'll share a story just because it's you know very, it's local, it's Columbus-based. Um, I was in a pretty well-known fair trade store, In the short north which is Columbus's downtown area with my mom who is visibly a black American woman and we were just browsing the store Um, she was she was in visiting from Michigan and you know you do what you do with your mom you go shopping you walk around you talk catch up get a coffee and uh, we were walking around this store which is so crazy because she was she was going to purchase something um, She she often buys things from the store, but when we were in there I noticed that one of the sales associates was just like really following her around and When I I first noticed it I decided to just observe and make sure that I wasn't being Maybe a little sensitive Um, But sure enough, you know, there was another pair of people in the store a, a white couple and My mom and I were not standing near each other, but I was able to see her. And I watched as every sort of step she took around the store, this employee would follow her and just stay a couple steps behind her, you know. And my mom is a 63 year old, seven time published novelist, um, distinguished faculty member, academic. What I'm saying is outside of the context of her being a black woman, you know, she holds a great deal of power in her workplace. But all of that gets stripped away from people of color when they enter into public spaces. So I after I, I decided that what I was seeing was indeed real and happening, I really quietly approached the woman and I stood right next to her. This is pre-Corona time, so we could stand next to people <laughs> in public. Um, but I got really close to her and I said, I know you're not following the only black person in this store. And she whipped around and looked at me shocked. And I said, I know that you're not following her around. And the employee just kind of, she got really red. And she, she didn't even say anything. I think she just like kind of stuttered, like went, uh, uh, and walked away. And it broke my heart because you know, when my when my mom comes to visit, we we love walking around the short earth doors. And you know, this was just like one space that was taken away from her and from me. It was it was painful. Yeah, it was painful.
3: And it's no doubt that racial profiling is really immoral, but how does it put black Americans at danger? Yeah, so um,
0: I'm sure we're all familiar with the story of Trayvon Martin, um, who was a young, uh, a young teenager. You know, I think he was 17. He was a teenager, um, a black teenager in Florida who was walking through his own community, with a packet of Skittles and an iced tea, after having gone to the convenience store, and honestly, if I had a nickel for the amount of times, you know, when I was younger in college or high school, that I just late at night or in the middle of the day ran out to the store for a quick treat, you know, it's something that we—it's something that we all do. Um, Trayvon Martin was attacked by a a man who proclaimed himself a member of the neighborhood watch. Trayvon Martin was attacked and murdered by this man and the explanation that George Zimmerman, I don't even want to speak his name, but the explanation that he gave was that he felt that, that Trayvon was a threat, that he felt that this young black man wearing a sweatshirt, which again is an item of clothing that all of us have in our in our closets, um, George Zimmerman decided that Trayvon Martin was threatening to him and he murdered him. And what's worse is he got away with it, right? Legally, George Zimmerman did not face any punishment um, for, for murdering a child. And, you know, when you think about things like the, the significance of wearing a hoodie, if you are a, in a black male body versus if you're a white woman wearing a hoodie, you know, it can be a death sentence depending on what you look like, but more importantly, depending on how society perceives you. You know, we see, we see instances like racial profiling in, in policing, right? We see police officers, things like the stop and frisk law um, in which officers were legally allowed to stop a quote unquote suspicious person um, and, and conduct uh, a search on them that turned into racial profiling. That turned into legally sanctioned racial profiling because, of course, a predominantly white society targets people of color. So you have, in these statistics um, from, from New York, stop and Frisk, you see that statistically the majority of people who were stopped and frisked were people of color. Um, and what we all have learned, really, especially, it's become especially clear in the past few years, is that police officers often use deadly force against unarmed individuals. Um, So coupled with, you know, racial profiling, which of course is a, it's, it's our systemic racism Um, laws, such as stand your ground laws, stop and frisk laws, um, this all sort of legally excuses, extra scrutiny placed on people of color um, and predominantly black people.
3: German is a 24-year-old Stanford graduate and uses she, her pronouns. She graduated in the class of 2018 with a degree in product design and now works for a startup financial tech company in the Bay Area. What are your thoughts on the phrase, there's only one race, the human race?
1: <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. I think that's along the lines of I don't see color, right? Um, not very productive um i feel like if that were true it's like a very beautiful sentiment um but the fact of the matter is as long as there are systems in place that see race um that statement in like individuals doesn't really do much i do think that race is a construct um that we That we built as a society like race um no one really knows what race is right like you have nationality you have ethnicity and then race is kind of this construct of a mix of the two um and then whether or not you know like like black is a race because like we don't really know geographically where these people are tied to um that history was lost but like white is not a race right It's like a color um i think in order to educate people on the meanings um, of those things and, and actually have everybody on the same page, to me is just an even bigger headache than just recognizing that um, like there are systems in this country um, that made it so that we had to, we had to care about race. Um, and as long as that's true, then us walking around saying like, Oh, there's only one race that I I feel like that diminishes um the the issue at hand. I think race is very much tied to the visual, like what you see someone as, um, and again, as well as like their nationality and their ethnicity. Um and the fact of the matter is that the the systems, there's many systems, education, um professional, like um socioeconomic status, like all of that is is very much tied to race and can be affected and, and affects how people see different races. Um, and I feel like we have to, we have to actually reach equality on all of those fronts before we can say there's only one race. Um, so I definitely, as soon as I, I hear that, that that's a phrase that definitely shuts me down, um, that I don't see color and like all lives matter. I think all of those are kind of rooted in the same, like laziness of, I don't actually want to, um, I don't want to face the fact that even if race is this like fake construct that we've made up, it's affected so many people throughout history.
3: Michael, a producer and activist can be found on Instagram at HiHiMichael.
2: So if someone says Black Lives Matter, And then someone rebuttals that with all, but no, all lives matter. I think that that is the context that I'm going to focus on. And that's absolutely wrong and not the response that people should be giving. What people are doing when they say Black Lives Matter is they're saying this is a community that is struggling at an alarming rate and dying at the hands of police or facing lots of injustices or structural injustice and inequity in multiple facets of their life, from housing to education to health care to police brutality. And this community is suffering so starkly that we need to give some attention to this. Now, I hate to reduce or talk about why someone shouldn't have to say all lives matter in a situation like this down to an elementary level, but I think at this is what we're at in reality um so some metaphors or examples that i've seen on why this doesn't work someone going to walk in a breast cancer awareness um run or and of course um, breast cancer is something that has touched a lot of people but then Someone shows up to this breast cancer rally and says, no, well, all cancers matter. Of course, that is the case. Other people can be struggling too. However, you're reducing the cause by trying to take emphasis off of this specific cause and trying to say that everyone struggles and so we shouldn't care about your struggle itself, but rather let's focus in on the whole collective. Um, And it really weakens the voice and is pretty intentional in trying to minimize the struggle that a specific community has another thing on this whole all lives matter movement is no one's trying to take away another life from mattering that's the thing that i think often gets lost in translation when say like a white person or latinx or asian person when they hear um, black lives matter they think that That's someone trying to say Black Lives Matter more than yours. That's not what people are saying at all. People are just asking for equality and equity in the situation. However, someone interprets that as someone trying to remove or take away privilege from them. And I think that when you think about that and you think that someone saying Black Lives Matter is taking away from you your privilege, that's where a deeper examination of privilege and consciousness needs to come in why are you having that gut reaction that I need to justify my life mattering more so than your struggle
3: and how do you feel about the violence and the looting found in a few of these protests <laughs>
1: Um, I'm laughing because in terms of like how I feel, I mean, this might be really, uh, really violent to say, but um, I don't know. I'm like, burn it down, dude, burn it down. (laughs) I think we've seen evidence that a lot of looting is not tied to uh, like the protesting. Um, And in some cases, if it is, I think what people fail to realize um, like historically that's a proven way to get attention. I think most of the opposition for looting and rioting is coming from people who are not um, a part of this community. And in that case, it's like, it doesn't really concern you. You don't have a a place to say whether or not you agree with it. Um, I think in terms of like whether or not it's, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Whether or not it it's actually productive, um, I think historically we've seen that, that it it really can be. Obviously, uh, in terms of like who gets affected by this, it doesn't make sense to riot and and loot um, and and vandalize small businesses, right? I think in terms of uh, looting big corporations, in light of everything that's been happening economically within the U.S., a lot of major corporations were. Um, given these billion dollar injections by the government as a way to deal with COVID 19. Um, and yet the government only gave um, $1,200 stipends to families, right? To um, to adults that, like, I know for me, $1,200 didn't even cover one month of rent. Um, and like, I, I wasn't among the many in the country who lost their jobs. And so it it makes sense to loot um, as a way to protest the, the capitalism that uh, this country operates under. Uh, it, I think the government made it just very clear only a couple months ago that they value big corporations, but um, those corporations then didn't trickle down and, and show that they valued their employees. So it was, it was only a matter of time before people protested even that. Um, and I think people, don't realize that those two are connected i think obviously the the trouble that you get in there is that you can't make sure that everyone's loo- like looting for the right reason air quotes if, if there was a right reason to to loot um there's definitely people that are out there not doing it for the right reason um and that's hard to control so i i understand why people are against it um but i think in this case it it's getting attention right so it, whatever means necessary like you have to get the attention of of those who can actually enact change.
3: Many non-Black Americans still think it's okay for them to say the n-word. Why is it wrong for non-Black people to use this? I think what's important to note
0: is that the N word has never meant anything but a derogatory term historically. Today, it can be used to, to signify like kinship or friendship or familiarity between people. Obviously we hear it a lot in black popular culture, um, but the word, the word's origins, since you know the 17th century, we know that the word Negro evolved into the N word and it was intentionally um, derogatory. It's an intentionally derogatory word. There is no origin of that word that means anything other than something negative, right? So I think that a lot of non-black people are unable to separate that historical context from the present context. And I think if you understand the historical context that in using it as a non-black person, you are mimicking what slave owners used to do. You are mimicking the same language and the same sort of, like, social maneuverings as an oppressive class of people. So I do think that, like, that's that's a bit of history that I think would, would, would help us have this conversation, is that it's not that the meaning was ever familiar or ever kind. It was always meant to hurt and to other someone. Um, that said, hey, Black Americans, you know, go ahead. Use that word if you want to use it. None of my business. But just, you know, for all for all non-black people, and especially non-black people of color, I hear a lot of people of color using that word. And, you know, so, you know, I think um, I think that a, a good history lesson is probably due to anyone who believes that that is a, to any non-black person who believes that that is an okay phrase to use.